Okay, welcome, if you dare. This is the Situation Update for Monday, September 26th, 2022. Mike Adams here. Thank you for joining me. This weekend saw a lot of pretty big bombshell news, pretty crazy news, but I do want to say one good piece of news is that the rumors we shared with you on Saturday morning about what was going on in China, you know, remember that we were questioning. We said we hadn't been able to confirm anything yet. We were checking all the Chinese language news sources and couldn't find anything, but there were rumors that there was some kind of a coup or something in Beijing. Uh, it looks like that is a nothing burger. Looks like uh, nothing was going on. And believe me, you know, we have a lot of contacts in Taiwan and also Hong Kong, and we we did not find anything happening there. So I don't know what the point was of that rumor or the motivation of the person or group that was spreading it. But uh, it turns out that's that's not the case. So so I'm glad that nothing has come of that. But it just goes to show you everybody's on edge, though. Everybody's on edge. I mean, we're standing on the verge of a global nuclear war. And that risk is very, very real. And there are things that have been happening over the weekend that may, in fact, increase that risk. For example, the the referendum votes were taking place in those four eastern Ukrainian regions. And according to sources that we could find, those votes are very strongly in favor of Russia. Uh, of course, Ukraine's government and the West are going to say that Russia uh, faked the votes, you know, which is hilarious to hear Western countries say, how dare Russia get involved in rigged elections, <laughs> right? Because America's rigged elections, you know, Europe's rigged elections. The, the West has nothing but rigged elections. You know, Canada, Australia, you name it, it's all rigged. You know, how dare Russia rig elections? Well, uh, nobody rigs them more frequently than Western nations, by the way. But anyway, that's going on. It looks like these four regions are going to vote to join Russia. And so the annexation of these regions will expand the geography of what Russia considers to be officially its own country. Uh, these these will be part of the Russian Federation. And then it's only a matter of time before somebody launches, a, I don't know, a piece of nuclear artillery. and or Or even I think that the West is capable of launching a nuke to strike Ukraine and blaming Russia and just saying Russia launched the nuke because the West wants a nuclear war so badly, so badly, they will, they will nuke it themselves if they have to. Trust me, <laughs> there's nothing that these lunatics won't do. But also over the weekend in France, in Paris, in fact, the world's largest wholesale uh, fresh produce market went up in flames. So this is another attack on the food supply infrastructure of Europe this time. And that's on top of the fertilizer shutdown because of the ammonia shutdown because of the uh, lack of natural gas, you know, due to Gazprom and all these things that you're well aware of. As a result, food supplies are going to be even more disrupted across Europe because that that wholesale food market in France also provides food products for Germany and Poland and Italy and Greece and Spain and the UK and other countries as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, Europe is not looking very good. But by the way, our guest today is Leo Zagami, who is Italian. 
He's an author of numerous books. One of them, the most recent one, is entitled Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 7. And if you know anything about Leo Zagami, he's got a lot to say about the Vatican, about the uh, Illuminati, Club of Rome, I don't know, what are the, the other kind of secret society groups, the Freemasons and so on. And I think he's got contacts with the people who just won the election in Italy. At least we're going to find out. I'll ask him questions about that coming up. We'll get his take on what's going on in Italy. You know, uh, Giorgia Maloney has won the election there. She's considered the, quote, right-wing uh, candidate. And the rest of European leaders seem to be very angry that uh, Giorgia Maloney has won that election. But will she represent real change for Italy? Or is she powerless because Italy is part of the EU and she doesn't call the shots at the top of the EU? So we're going to find out more about that. Uh, in other bombshell news, Germany's company BASIF, uh, that's B-A-S-F, uh, BASIF, has said that it's going, well, it said earlier this year, it's going to stop its output if gas supplies fell to half of its needs. And that was in March. And that's a headline from Reuters. So March 30th, Reuters, that was the headline base of saying basically they're going to have to shut down if they don't get the gas. And at the time, Nord Stream 1 was still pumping, you know, most of the gas uh, that, that the pipeline could carry into Germany and other countries. And so Basif had plenty of energy at that time. Well, um, more recently, check this out, from TheGuardian.com from September 15th, so just about 10 days ago. A gas rationing is threatening to shutter the Basif chemical plants and could, quote, plunge Europe into a crisis. The subhead of that article says a shutdown would have a far-reaching impact across all sectors from nappies which means diapers in the UK, to medicine. And Basif is one of the three companies that was formerly part of IG Farben, which was the Nazi chemical conglomerate that was broken up into uh, Bayer, and I forgot who else. And you may recall in the Nuremberg uh, War Crimes Tribunals, uh, it was documented that three companies, Bayer, Basif, and Hoest, they were they had built a, a chemical industry to support the Nazi regime and uh, Bayer in particular helped build the uh, Zyklon B and tested it on human subjects. So they ran, you know, illegal medical experiments, kind of like what Fauci does today in the United States. But Basif was part of that. And Basif is, I believe, the largest chemical conglomerate in the world. They have one site in Germany called Ludwigshafen. It's a 10-square-kilometer industrial complex that it runs its own bus network to move employees from the parking spaces to their workplace. It's like Disneyland. <laughs> Unbelievable. There is a the, the pipeline that goes from one end of the site to the other end just for making ammonia. That pipeline has a length of 1,700 miles. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a massive facility. They employ, I don't know, tens of thousands of people uh, just in Germany. Well, what I learned from this article is that if the gas supply to Basif is reduced to below 
of their maximum requirements, that they would shut down the entire site. And that comes from Daniela Rechenberger, a company spokesperson who talked to The Guardian. She said, quote, that is something that has never happened in BASIF's history and something no one here would want to see happening, but we would have little choice. Well, so BASIF could be forced to halt production because even though there is some gas storage in Germany right now, there's no new gas coming in from the Gazprom pipeline. And as it's starting to get colder, of course, more and more energy use will be required for heating homes and government buildings, commercial buildings, and so on. But here's a key sentence from this article that is a bombshell. Quote, with large parts of the Verbund site having run around the clock since the 1960s, Basif said it is unclear if production could simply be restarted afterwards or if the drop in pressure would cause machinery to break. You got that? So they've never shut this plant down since the 1960s. They've never shut it down. And if they have to shut it down, they're not sure if they can restart it. So then this article goes on to say that Basif makes chemicals, toothpaste, building insulation, ibuprofen, you know, painkiller. They make chemicals for the automobile industry. They make products for petroleum and engine oil and diesel engines. Uh, let's see. And, oh, DEF fluid, which is called AdBlue in Europe. This is the ammonia-based fluid for uh, emissions control. Then the story goes on to say that under German law, residential households are excluded from gas rationing. And so are hospitals and care homes or retirement homes, as we would say, which means that the reductions in gas usage are going to have to be made by industry, not households, which means how is BASIF going to function as there's no more gas coming from Gazprom? Now, one of the key functions that happens at the base of site is that it cracks crude oil by rapidly heating the crude oil to 840 degrees Celsius. This is known as cracking, and then it produces these oil derivatives. But that temperature is achieved by burning natural gas. And the company has experimented with using electricity or electrical heat components to crack the crude oil into derivatives. But it's just an experiment, and one of the spokespeople there, Nonast, non says, quote, it's not something you can do in two months. It might be possible in five years, but only because we started looking into it five years ago. In other words, he's saying it takes 10 years maybe to move over to electricity from natural gas. But there's not enough electricity anyway, because most of the electricity comes from burning natural gas and coal and, you know, other so-called fossil fuels. So how is Germany going to keep BASIF alive? And I should also mention that, you know, BASIF, just like Bayer, was at one point run by a bunch of Nazis that were guilty of war crimes against humanity. And that Russia's mission in Ukraine, well, actually they have two missions, as they said, in the special military operation one was denazification, and the other was the demilitarization of Ukraine. But denazification, well, if they're trying to take out Nazis, would Russia and Putin, would they perhaps target corporations that were run by Nazis and that were guilty of war crimes against Russians?
in World War II? There's a question for you. Is the Gazprom shutdown part of an overall strategy to denazify the entire, well, multiple continents of both Asia and Europe by plunging Germany's industry into oblivion to the point where you can't even restart the machines because once you shut it down, who knows how much stuff breaks, as is admitted in this article, you see. Now, you can't underestimate the importance of this basic company to world industry, frankly, everything from aerospace, automobiles, fertilizer, transportation, you know, oil, refining, uh, medicine, uh, consumer products. You can't underestimate it. If, if BASIF goes down and stays down, it's probably the end of Europe, frankly. Uh, BASIF is that big, and it would cause supply chain chaos in the United States and Canada and everywhere else around the world that would be horrifying to even consider. It's almost unimaginable. It's It would be worse than, I mean, way worse than COVID. The COVID lockdowns, nothing compared to this. So we shouldn't, let's say, hope that BASIF shuts down, but we should be prepared in case it does. Because as you know from listening to this, we're, we're talking about the, quote, permanent deindustrialization of Europe and what could happen as a result of that. And if I've learned anything over the last two weeks of interviewing all these different experts, and remember we have Leo Zagami coming up today, it's that that I've been the optimist. My analysis of where things are going has been more rosy than most because I think that we can still survive this and maybe we can get through this and maybe we can avoid nuclear war. I'll tell you, most of the people that I talk to don't think that we can avoid nuclear war. Most of them one way or another, and, and not just the people that I've interviewed publicly, but also conversations I've had with a lot of people off the record or just private conversations and so on. They think this is headed into a nuclear war, and they think it's soon. And financial markets are getting just wrecked right now, including the pound sterling in the UK, and also the euro is getting just hammered. So one of the questions that I have is, does the European Union survive this? Does Do, do any European nations survive this intact? See, the, the level of bailout, well, bailout money that's going to be required for bailing out utility companies and the energy importers and industry. This money is off the charts. It, it's going to be in the trillions of dollars. And the question is, how much money can the European Central Bank print and how much is it willing to print and hand out to member nations, you know, EU nations, in order to try to save industry, but there's there's a point where the euro just loses all value. And we're kind of watching that happen in slow motion while the dollar is skyrocketing. You know, the, the dollar is going into runaway uh, exchange value growth that is just off the charts while European currencies are absolutely plummeting. If this is not stopped, this is going to be a death spiral of European finance. I mean, a death spiral. We're going to start to see banks fail in Europe very soon if this isn't stopped. And then we're going to see 
the central bank fail at some point, probably next year as well. Along with that, much of Western Europe is going to be transformed into a wasteland, an economic wasteland. And that's if the nukes don't fly. If the nukes fly, then it's a nuclear wasteland. That's how crazy things could get there. I don't know what to tell people who are in Europe right now. If you have an option, get out. I mean, go somewhere else. Go somewhere where the weather is tolerable, if you can, for the winter, because it's going to be a devastating winter. And then the question becomes, are you going to be able to eat anything because the food system is also being meticulously dismantled? Now, back in the States, by the way, just to change the subject for a little bit, I had to bring you this piece of news. I'm not going to show you this video, but trust me, I've seen it. It's real. There's a county in Colorado called Weld County, W-E-L-D. And in Weld County, the police arrested a woman, and they placed her in handcuffs, and they put her in the back seat of a police vehicle that they had parked directly on train tracks. And a couple of minutes into this, a train comes, and the train obliterates the police vehicle with the woman in it. Uh, somehow this woman apparently has survived with multiple broken ribs and so on. But let me ask you this. You know society is breaking down. You know that in, in some areas the police are totally corrupt, even though in others they're, they're not. And I feel sorry for the good cops because they have a tough job, very difficult, you know, and sometimes they're getting shot at, right, or, or filmed and put on YouTube. It's a tough job to be a cop. But could you not put people you arrest in a vehicle on the train tracks? Is that too much to ask? Is, surely there's a section in the police arrest manual that says uh, don't park your cop car on the train tracks. When, especially when trains are coming, it's an active train track. And if you do park your vehicle on the train tracks, don't put your subject in the back of that vehicle. And if you do put your subject in the back of the vehicle, why don't you join them? Why don't you get in there yourself? <laughs> or better yet, why don't you start that vehicle and just move it off the tracks? It is unbelievable that in the United States this could happen, that police could do this. And it was all caught on multiple body cameras, by the way, believe me. You can watch this video in the train hits and everything. It's it's mind boggling. And remember that an arrest is often called the protective custody. Well, what's protective about this? Obviously nothing. Can you trust the cops if they ever arrest you? Can you trust them with your safety? The answer is, of course, no, not at all. Did you recall that other video? I don't know. Maybe it was a year and a half ago, something like that. When a female cop, and I don't recall where this was, she thought she was pulling out her taser to taser a black guy that had been, I think, shooting at the cops. And, and they had the guy stopped, but the guy was jumping back into his car to get away, at least if I recall the details. And she thought she had pulled a taser, but she'd actually pulled her handgun and she just shot the guy uh, right in the torso and he died. And it was one of these, you know, so-called police brutality, racial shooting situations. Well, for the record, you know, that that guy had apparently committed quite a few crimes to get himself into that situation. And if he had just, 
I guess, submitted to the arrest, then he probably wouldn't have been shot. But then again, they might arrest you and throw you on the train tracks, right? So, you know, if you're, especially if you're a young black man in America today, you you might legitimately fear for your life being under arrest. Who knows? Depends on where you are, right? In In any case, this woman shot and killed the guy. And I think she was criminally charged and she was, I believe, found guilty. But it, that brings up the question, what kind of cop training are these people getting? In this case, a woman, but in other cases, you know, plenty of men committing errors, let's say. What kind of cop training do you get where you can't tell the difference between a Glock and a Taser? Do they, I mean, is, is it like a Saturday afternoon cop training class? Kind of like concealed carry? You know, you go through eight hours of training. And then you shoot at a paper target, and if the bullets hit anywhere on the paper, you get the permit. Is is that what's happening in some of these counties now or cities for cop training? It's like, yeah, just pull something and pull the trigger, see what happens. You know, there's a big difference between non-lethal tasers and lethal firearms. And I fear that part of what's happening in this country is more and more cops are, of course, leaving the force. And every police department that I know of is having a ton of trouble retaining police officers or recruiting new officers. And as a result, some of the police departments across America are lowering their standards to the point of oblivion. Some of them are hiring felons. Like if you have a felony record, you can still become a cop in certain cities in America. And there are cities in California like that, by the way. It begs the question, doesn't it? Oh, and cops are leaving out of Seattle and Portland and New York City, all over the place. They they can't get out fast enough. And they're getting jobs in red states like Florida or, you know, Indiana or, I don't know, Arizona, wherever. Arizona needs a lot of cops because they, they, they have a drug cartel problem that is, it's it it's in the stratosphere at this point. Now, because of the lack of trained or qualified police in a lot of these cities, the crime is just getting completely out of control. I should probably go ahead and show you this next video. This is a mob ransacking a Wawa store in Philadelphia. And it's just, you got to see this. It's, it's just mayhem in the background. People just looting, stealing, throwing things all over the place. And there's a common thread in all of these ransacking videos Every single one of them that I've seen feature, shall we say, uh, people of a certain color. Check this one out. What'd you think about that? Hmm? Does it look like Philadelphia? Yes, it does. But it's also going to look like every major city in the United States as this whole system unravels, which is exactly what's happening. And when Europe collapses, 
which is, of course, on track. Um, the Europeans tend to be more orderly. When American cities collapse, it's going to look like that video, except with a whole lot of gunfire. So do you want to be in a flash mob like that without body armor or without a firearm or without a means of escape? No, that's a death trap right there. And if you see a scene like that, get out of there. Get out of there as quickly as you can and do not engage. In fact, the person filming that video was an employee there, and he was trying to exit. And he worked in the the deli area. It turns out he's like, I'm out of here. Yeah, smart move. You should get out. But he would maybe have been wiser to go out the back. Maybe there's not so much chaos in the back. I, I don't know. Maybe he saw chaos in the back and it went out the front. But my point is this is going to be happening more and more all across the country. And then imagine what this looks like on the day the food stamps stop working because, you know, there's people of a certain economic status who are on food stamps are not going to be happy about not getting their free government food welfare handouts when this whole system goes down. And what do you think they're going to do? They're going to riot. They're going to burn buildings down. They're going to loot. There's going to be flash mobs. There's going to be violence all over the place. One more reason to get out of the cities. And I should also mention one more reason to have backup comms, like our sponsor offers a satellite phone store, you know, the, the satellite text messaging and the satellite walkie-talkies, push-to-talk walkie-talkies. Of course, you can check all that out at sat123.com. They're a sponsor of uh, our channel and my podcast. But I don't want to go anywhere without backup communications. I don't want to go anywhere near these cities without having – firearms and you know necessary protection and, and a way to get out of there. The best answer is just don't even be in the cities as this all goes down. And I've, I've said this a thousand times, the cities are death traps. But we're actually starting to see this on parade more and more with each and every day. In fact, the, the bigger point that I'm trying to get across here, and I'm still not being forceful enough in stating this, but Unless the gas gets turned back on in Europe, I don't know how Western Europe survives the next six months. And if the Western European banks fail, then I don't know how the American banking system stays afloat for much longer. It looks to me like 2023 is going to be the year that the euro collapses, the EU collapses, and the European Central Bank collapses. And I think it's the end of Western Europe as we know it. I really do. I think there's going to be mass death, mass chaos, civil unrest on a scale that we've never seen before. I mean, even in World War II, it wasn't mass civil unrest. It was a war, but it wasn't the population rising up because they were all starving constantly. It's a very different thing. This is going to be the winter of discontent on steroids across Europe. And then the following summer in the United States, I think that's when a lot of it's going to hit home in the U.S. in terms of real severe food shortages, scarcity, and flash mob looting that will be far worse than what we just saw. And a lot of financial collapse cascading around the world because of derivatives exposure and cross-continental debt instruments, central banks that have debt with each other and many other reasons. 
So in, in summary, there is a high chance of a nuclear war before the end of this year and even more risk into next year. And let's just call that right now, I, I don't know, let's call that a a 50% chance, which is crazy high, by the way. We've, we haven't been at that moment probably since the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was even higher than 50%, by the way. But let's say we're at a 50% risk right now of nuclear war. Well, we're at a 100% risk of mass starvation. That cannot be stopped. That's already done. The collision has already happened. We are at a 100% chance of global food scarcity and scarcity of fertilizer. We're at a 100% chance of energy scarcity and massive bankruptcies across Europe, uh, especially industry, and, and so on. We're at a 100% chance of mass civil unrest in European countries and also then spreading to the United States. So there's some things we know for certain, things like I, what I just mentioned, but there are other things that is just a high risk. We can't say nuclear war is going to happen for sure, but it still makes sense to prepare for that possibility. Now, finally, on finance, I'm recording this very early in the morning. What is it, like 1 a.m. on uh, Monday morning? So it's many hours before the markets open. I'm anticipating carnage in the markets today. So keep a watch out for that because there's a lot of unraveling that appears to be taking place. And there's a lot of leverage of financial instruments that is turning against investors. And the reverse of leverage is, you know, multiplied destruction, wealth destruction. And that is going to accelerate from here forward. I think that markets are going to get hammered so hard over the next maybe month to two months, maybe through Christmas. It's going to be a real battle for the central banks to try to keep this system up and running. But the real deadline that I'm looking at here, of course, is Halloween. So here we are, what, about five weeks away from Halloween. And Halloween is, in my opinion, the last possible day that a massive false flag could be carried out or maybe an act of war or a declaration of war or something that would interfere with the midterm elections. So for the next five weeks, we are at an extremely high risk of globalists or deep state operators carrying out something to try to either change the election results or to cancel the elections, the midterm elections altogether. I mean, look at what just happened in Italy. The quote wrong candidate got elected by the people of Italy. Well, they can't allow that to happen in America. So for the next five weeks, they're going to try to figure out or I mean, they've already figured it out, but they're going to roll out plans to try to throw that whole thing into chaos. And you know the scenarios. We've talked about them before. It could be a false flag cyber attack on the financial infrastructure or the power grid infrastructure. It could be all kinds of things. EMP weapons, thermonuclear war with Russia or China, for that matter. All kinds of things could take place. And this is why everybody's on edge. And people being on edge right now, it's not just those who are well-informed in the alternative media. Have you noticed that even more mainstream people are starting to ask big questions and starting to kind of freak out a little bit about what seems to be going on? And with that hurricane approaching, 
uh, Florida, then, you know, everybody's stockpiling there right now, trying to get ready for a hurricane. Like, really? You, you never had water before now? I mean, <laughs> what, who, who are these people that are only now getting stockpiled supplies two or three days before a hurricane? Shouldn't you be ready at all times if you live in Florida? Is that too much to ask? I mean, you're living in a hurricane zone. You should have hurricane supplies all the time. <laughs> and you should buy them before the panic, obviously. I mean, you know that if you're listening to this from Florida, you're probably all squared away. But the masses don't know that. And it's just a demonstration from the masses of how much they're going to freaking panic when another kind of storm approaches, which it will. The flash mob, the looting, the violence, the crime, all of it, that's coming. So we're going to jump into the interview with Leo Zagami here shortly, but let me just give you an overview of some of the uh, defensive gear that I think you need to look at to be prepared for what's coming. Body armor, go to hoplitearmor.com. That's H-O-P-L-I-T-E, hoplitearmor.com. Discount code RANGER gets you 10% off. If you go to Shield Firearms, which is shieldarms.com, discount code RANGER gets you $100 off of their AR-15 rifle or pistol, which is also folding, so it's easier to carry in a backpack or a vehicle. Of course, follow all your local laws if doing so. Don't get yourself into trouble with law enforcement. They might arrest you and throw you onto the train tracks, it turns out. Um, ARC Seed Kits to get yourself some heirloom seeds. That's arcseedkits.com. Discount code RANGER saves you 10% there. Uh, Treasure Island Coins Company for gold and silver. You can go to metalswithmike.com. There's no discount code that just gives you the best price on that day for that quote. And then don't forget dawsonknives.com. You can try discount code RANGER and see if it gets you 10% off if they have any inventory remaining. If not, uh, check their websites on Fridays because that's when they put new inventory in place, usually Friday morning. Uh, that's your best shot at finding anything there. You know, American-made special alloy magna cut knives and swords that can help keep you alive. So that's some of the gear that I recommend. Of course, the satellite phone store for backup communications, sat123.com. All these things are critical. Also, uh, make sure you've got enough ammunition. I don't have an ammo supplier specifically to recommend, but you know you can you can look around and see what's available. Now, ammo could get a lot cheaper later this year, especially as the economic implosion takes place. I I do know that firearms sales are falling right now, and I know that ammo sales are falling. So some of the stuff, yeah, you can. You know, you can roll the dice, uh, maybe I wait a little longer, I get a better deal, or should I pay a little bit more and get it now? I don't know. That's up to you. But some of the stuff is going to get cheaper because of, well, plummeting consumer demand because a lot of people have run out of money. I doubt that the Dawson knives are going to get any cheaper because they're made out of metal alloys that are getting more and more expensive, frankly. So, so those aren't going to go down. And then our own food supplies. Oh, yeah, I've got good news for you. Uh, what is it? October... 10th or 11th, what is it? Yeah, October 10th or 11th, we're going to have more Ranger buckets in stock at healthrangerstore.com. I don't know how many we'll have, but it's the next production batch. So that's only uh, about three weeks away or less. If you missed out on the last batch because they, they keep selling so quickly, 
Just mark your calendar for October 10th or 11th. I'll get you the right day as we get closer to that. And we are keeping the price exactly the same on those Ranger buckets, even though, as I said uh, last week, quinoa has gone up like 40%. The organic quinoa that we use and a lot of other grains and you know different legumes and so on, they are skyrocketing in price from time to time. So we're doing our best to keep our retail price exactly the same. We don't anticipate any price increases and certainly not any price decreases, but we we don't plan to increase the price until we absolutely have to, which might be sometime next year. But through the remainder of this year, the prices should stay the same, even though our raw materials prices continue to skyrocket. So we're doing our best to help people get squared away. All right, with that said, let's jump into the Leo Zagami interview, and that'll be the end of today's uh, podcast. I've also recorded an interview with Steve Quayle, an update about Europe and what's coming, and the food fires, and the Italy election, and Gazprom, and all that. So that interview should be posted later today or tomorrow at the latest. Check that out as well. Uh, Thank you for your support, and God bless you. Stay informed. Get prepared. It's a storm that we're all going to have to live through. The storm's coming. We can't avoid it. We're going to have to ride it out. Just be safe and get prepared. God bless you, and God bless America. Take care. All right, welcome, folks, on this historic day of the election in Italy and with so much history unfolding in real time, some of it quite horrifying in Europe. uh, We have joining us an extraordinary guest. This is my first interview with him, at least on my own show. I've spoken with him before on Infowars.com. And he is an author, a prolific author and researcher. He's the author of a new book called Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 7, From the Occult Roots of the Great Reset to the Populist Roots of the Great Reject. His name is Leo Zagami, and his website is leozagami.com. You've probably heard some of his interviews or seen some of his books, and now he joins us. Mr. Zagami, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you for taking time to join me this evening. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Uh, and this, uh, like you said, historical day, definitely for Italy, it's an historical day. They have uh, changed uh, after uh, many years uh, of uh, wishy-washy uh, technical governments. Uh, that's how they call them now to a government, uh, which uh, apparently is uh, the will of the people. But we will, of course, uh, discuss also uh, behind the scenes what's really happening in Italy and in Europe. Yeah, let's actually start with uh, Giorgia Maloney, who I believe is declared the winner. I I think that's the status uh, of the election. Yes. 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 Um, The media, of course, hates her, and so does the EU. uh, Well, but uh, let's let's go to the – because, of course, here you're talking with somebody who has, uh, I I, I guess, eaten and digested politics since a very early age. (laughs) My grandfather was marching in Roma 100 years ago with Mussolini and later on became senator for the Monarchic Party, then later the Social Democratic Party, and also later on in, in, in life, of course, had many problems uh, himself. Then I went into politics and I also experienced politics in 2013. I was candidate with uh, Berlusconi for the parliament uh, uh, in Italy and uh, uh, I was uh, attempting also some kind uh, of uh, uh, civil unrest with the pitchforks revolution that took place also that year after the, the, the elections were a complete failure and they were completely manipulated uh, 
from within. Uh, when it comes to this election, of course, from those who, you know, see Italy from the outside, it would seem like an incredible victory that will align Italy with uh, Orban or with uh, a box in Spain and so on. The problem is that uh, the Italian uh, center-right coalition is not really that kind of force because you have also Berlusconi involved with it, uh, with a guy called Tajani who used to be in the European Parliament. They are very strongly uh, European. Uh, Giorgia Meloni is actually herself a member of the Aspen Institute. So she has a couple of skeletons in the closet. You see, I know Georgia from a very young age. You have to understand that my mother and my brother are both co-founders of the Fratelli d'Italia political party that has won the elections. So the founders are around 400 people in the whole of Italy. And my brother went to school with the head of the Fratelli d'Italia, Francesco Lollobrigida. So I, I, I grown up with these people. So yeah, you, you know them better than anybody. Do you, do you... Well, and, and I know that uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say what I said to my mother today. My mother went to vote early this morning, and she knows exactly what I said. to the to, to, I mean, these are people who hang out with Meloni and with Lolo Bridge that are very personal and private basis. So uh, my my brother is basically his best friend with the head of the Fratelli d'Italia party. So I can say for sure one thing, that nothing will change and uh, the Italy is unfortunately destined to uh, to the abyss. Uh, it's, it's destined to a very bad place. No matter who wins, Italy is not in charge of anything. Let's not forget the words that von der Leyen said a couple of days ago. Yes. Uh, let's not forget the words that were said also by uh, Biden uh, when he was finishing up whatever meeting he was having at that useless organization called the United Nations. And and, and so the, 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 the truth here is this. Uh, they, of course, they have kept in a cage, oppressed the Italians for two years. They have oppressed them worse than North Koreans. People like my brother to go out, he, he needed to have a dog so he could go out and have a walk around the, the building where he's, uh, where he's living. He, he needed, my mother needed to write down where she was going when she was going out of the house. Right. These are right. crazy things. These are things that are like, I mean, I, my personal advice to everybody in Italy, and I have a very popular show in Italy called Lesule, and I also participate every now and then to La Zanzara, which is Italy's most known radio show, is don't go and vote, because this is a criminal act. <laughs> Participating to a criminal act is not a great thing. You see, Italy is, uh, is for me, uh, the fruit of a trickery. You see, you have so, to know the history of Italy. Italy as a republic was born on the 2nd of June, 1946. And it was the OSS under the control of the Democratic Party that kicked out the monarchy and placed this mafiosi presidential BS that we have nowadays. And no matter who wins, it's always the president of Italy who is not elected who will decide for the future of Meloni and company. Now, a lot of people in the UK, for example, were very disappointed by Boris Johnson. Uh, Boris ran on, uh, you know, so many freedoms and conservative type of values and, and so on, and then betrayed the people, especially during COVID. It became another kind of prison camp, perhaps not as bad as what you just described in Italy, being that northern Italy was, you know, where COVID was reputed to first hit Europe, or at least Western Europe. So are you saying that Giorgia Maloney 
is going that she won't have the power that she's a puppet that that she's kind of the Italian equivalent of a rhino as we say in the USA. Well, what do you? Of course, uh, those who really know the right wing in Italy, like I know, uh, and, and know very well the history of Giorgia Meloni and where she comes from. She comes from Fuan, from the young, the youth movement within what was known as Movimento Sociale Italiano. His mentor, the mentor of Giorgia Meloni was my school teacher, elementary school teacher, Giovanni Battista, who was a colleague with uh, Giorgio Armirante, founder of the Movimento Sociale. These are people I know way too well. So I know way too well, like I said to my mother today, the things are not going to change, that in October gas prices are going to go, go over. You know, the, the crisis is yet to start because yes. they have kept the prices down until now in Italy, knowing very well that uh, they, they, they can't afford now all these price cuts uh, when it comes to gasoline and all the rest because of what Russia is doing. We are in front of a crisis that demands real real politicians that don't exist anymore in Europe. When I was growing up, and I grew up with my grandfather, I grew up with politicians like Giulio Andreotti, which I met personally. These people might have been the biggest crooks in the history of crookery because they were heading the P2, they were heading Gladio. But Gladio, let's not forget, was anti-communist to the core. And it was just as anti-communist as the John Birch Society, but even more because we had the weapons and we had the structure that had to come into place if the communists will eventually take power. Now, the moment in which the Soviet Union ended in December 1991, that was really a sad moment for a lot of people. And it was the beginning of the end because that's the moment in which America started to really get twisted in this belief the communism has ended. No, communism had just started. And they took over the universities at the end of the 60s. They kept their control. And at the early, in the early 90s, when the Soviet Union was finished, it wasn't really finished. It was, uh, of course, finished for Russia to have this big empire. And, uh, of course, there was... Uh, uh, Yeltsin, who was drunk and all that. And then, of course, Putin in the second half of the 90s came in and picked up the situation, being a guy who, of course, was in charge of at the FSB. Prior to that, he had his experience in the KGB. The, the, the way that uh, the West tried to colonize Russia didn't work out. But at the same time, they got in debt with Russia, using Russia like Kissinger said, you know, it's like this big gasoline pump with nukes. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like you can ever defeat the country which has the biggest nuclear arsenal in the world. Or uh, the most the, energy. Yes. <laughs> now, I have been lucky enough to go in Russia 30 or 40 times in my life, maybe more. I worked with the Ministry of Culture in Russia, did a lot of interesting things. And so I was lucky enough to see what happened in Russia from the very early days of the end of the Soviet Union till now. And I saw how Europe felt... Uh, basically in debt in every aspect of their economy with Russia. So the moment in which Russia cuts their gas, uh, cuts their oil, that's it for Europe. Yeah, Europe let me, is finished. Let me ask you more along that very point right there. Now, not, not only for Italy, but let's talk about Germany, which appears to be suffering uh, or, or heading for, I don't know, uh, suicidal annihilation yeah. without 
energy. Well, but, but, but let's see what happened to Angela Merkel. She just uh, retired before uh, the, you know, the problem starts, leaving <laughs> uh, uh, another agent of Stasi, because that's what they are, these people. These people were literally working for the Soviet Union, both Angela Merkel and Scholz. So these people are traitors to start with. The whole of Germany is full of traitors because ha, when the biggest, um, uh, I think, error was that when you unify the two Germanies, eh, they didn't adopt the same techniques they adopt immediately after the takeover of the Allied territory. That means controlling every single person that was involved with Stasi intelligence and not using them for their own advantage, but actually taking them out of the scene completely. Instead, that's not what, is ha- what has happened. So Germany is, you know, we, we have taken in Germany, but Germany, half of it, is a bunch of people who was actually under the control of Vladimir Putin. Let's not forget, he was in charge of the F- or basically uh, of the Stasi as the head of the KGB in Eastern Germany. True. He yeah, was that's the right. one in charge. That's right. He was in Dresda when the wall fall down. So that's where his revenge comes from. Uh, Mr. Zagami, your, what you were saying about Germany and Putin, it brings up a, a very important question. I've heard that, that Vladimir Putin has some fondness for the German people. I don't know if that's true or not, but was it tactically, is it difficult, you think, for Russia to turn off the gas to Germany and, and watch the suffering unfold, or is it just a necessary part of war? Or what, what do you think is the, the philosophy behind that? The philosophy is uh, to make uh, Europe overly dependent, uh, starting from Germany, because Germany was also the closest ally that Russia could have. Uh, uh, just before the, the line went down, I was uh, talking about the fact that both uh, Angela Merkel, uh, that has now retired, and Scholz are, are, have been both working for Stasi, which was the yes. most fierce and terrible uh, secret police in, uh, ev- that ever existed uh, on the face of the earth. And, and you can't transform millions of people who acted as spies for their neighbor in, in good people the day after the fall of the war. Well, that's right. I mean, I mean, the, the, this is the, the, the big error here of, of, of America was to move the CIA operations from Rome to Germany. The, the headquarters for the CIA in Europe was moved from Rome, where it was traditionally there from the end of the Second World War, till Germany, thinking that Germany suddenly was made up of uh, people that you could trust. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where that they were kind of, who, who are the people in charge of the Langley, but there is a lot of idiots. And even before they became woke, they were already... Um, quite idiotic in there, in, in, especially when they stop also financing anti-communist activities in Europe, because stopping anti-communist activities in Europe meant that basically Europe was taken over and was taken over on one side uh, with, of course, uh, the, uh, the, the, what was, uh, you know, the dossier Mitrokin. I don't know if you ever heard about it, uh, that uh, surfaced in Italy, showed how, for example, the Italian Communist Party was financed by the Soviet Union for many years. But the Italian uh, Communist Party of yesterday is the Italian Democrat Party of today. 
Then you have people like Matteo Salvini who tried in every way possible to get money with Le Pen from Russia to, to finance his Northern League in a moment of, 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 of very bad economic crisis. And so then we had all that scandal that erupted also with that uh, recording at the Metropole Hotel uh, made by some collaborators of Matteo Salvini that enforced in a way the, the, the end of the first government in which Salvini was a participant. But you have to understand that today in Italy there is an illusion of change. An illusion of change that unfortunately is not going to go anywhere because Italy is no longer the nation that prints their own uh, money. Right. So they don't, it's like, you know, they, they don't have any say in anything they do. Uh, if tomorrow morning uh, von der Leyen says, okay, you have Georgia Meloni, can you tell her to do this? She's not going to do this. Okay, I'm going to do this. And that mm-hmm. means... Spread means economic turmoil. And, of course, now they don't want to, uh, after two years of oppression, show the Italians that, you know, we're going to have another uh, government imposed by the EU technocrats. But at the same time, they have chosen this option that can, uh, let's see what's going to happen, but nothing uh, revolutionary. I mean, it's 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 all... Uh, part of an illusion of democracy. There is no such thing as democracy. Well, then let, let me ask you, is the, and this kind of gets into your book too, is the Great Reset, is it on schedule from the point of view of the globalists? And then specifically you talk about in your book the occult roots. Can you talk about the rise of demonism or demonic? I, 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 it's not a question only of demonic. You have to understand yeah. that some, some proper political concrete things here we're talking about the League of the Just, where Karl Marx published his manifesto, was founded by a professor who was in turn a disciple of Adam Weishaupt. I talk about concrete things. When it comes down to the esoteric and the demonic side, we can leave that, of course, to the more esoterically inclined uh, parts of the New World Order, which exist, which I discuss. Of course, you have uh, all the followers of Aleister Crowley. We have, of course, the people who have helped in molding uh, this uh, uh, machine that is uh, this Hollywood infernal propaganda machine, which itself is aiding the future rise of the ant. Yes. Because that is what is happening here. People think uh, Hollywood was born out of uh, just, uh, you know, a nice idea one morning. No, it was <laughs> born uh, over a hundred years ago with Edward G. Griffith and the Freemasons with Babylon, with reconstructing Babylon for the moving tolerance and leaving that construction as the basis for the new Babylon. People don't know that Alistair Crowley called, for example, the people of Hollywood the Bosheri. Uh, people full of debauchery, imagine if Crowley said that, and, 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 and saying that they were a bunch of cocaine addicts, but he himself chose Hollywood for the first ever Gnostic mass that he himself had written in Moscow during his own visit in Russia. So people, of course, don't know uh, all the links, the occult links of, of Hollywood. They have a naive idea, or somehow also they have a mythological idea. And at the same time, we have a lot of people who write books uh, regarding hypothetical Hollywood Illuminati without really knowing anything about anything. So I 
wanted to uh, instead change all this. That's why uh, in, in a month or two I'm bringing out a new book in which I will show finally who is behind Hollywood. But uh, on one side, the military industrial complex, on the other, the Satanists, the Freemasons, but people with names, surnames, organizations, money spent, offices, not just theories, hypothetical. You know, I hate this uh, conspiracy-minded situation in which then the people, unfortunately, have fallen for idiots, uh, psyop, idiotic things like QAnon, which was complete rubbish constructed to absorb the, the dissent of people. Mm-hmm. Stay at home uh, on your couch, uh, eat popcorn, and watch the people being arrested uh, in some movie. underground. That, that is rubbish. But the truth is actually... Uh, even more demonic, even more, I mean, people think about the rise of the Antichrist as something, you know, but this is something that also is connected with the Great Reset. When in 1974, Klaus Schwab invited Bishop Camara, the Red Bishop from Brazil, to attend the, the Davos conference. That was a serious thing because the guy in 1965, in December 1965, was in the catacombs in Rome doing a black mass and passing a uh, 13-point Marxist uh, pact known as the Pact of the Catacombs, which, of course, is all those people who have given uh, birth later on to liberation theology and all the nonsense from South America that in turn brought us to Pope Francis. So there is uh, here facts, hard facts, evidence and 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 we need to uh, expose it and we need to make people understand that we are close to an unthinkable moment in history which Pierre Teilhard de Cardin the Jesuit which of course inspires Pope Francis called as the omega point the point of cyber satan the artificial intelligence taking over in 2030 oh okay yeah you I want to ask you about that anyway you're you talk about cyber Satan, the rise of AI, which gets into everything, transhumanism, but also genocide of the human population and, and the global elitist thinking that they can transform themselves into machines. Uh, do, do you, number one, do you think that the globalists actually believe that they can achieve that? And, and secondly, well, they are they on track achieved. to do that or can they be stopped? The, the elite has always wanted to achieve immortality. That has been said within the secret society of the Western initiatic system, not only the West, but in particular in the Western initiatic system, the, 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 the fact that they have always been chasing for this immortal elixir of some kind, you know, they wanted to find immortality. That, that was really the key of a lot of also alchemical kind of uh, uh, stories, allegories that were put out there. Uh, in, in reality, the, 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 the technology that they have now can, uh, can actually project them into this uh, immortality uh, phase by transposing uh, the content of their own brain onto an external uh, source, and then that external source becomes uh, uh, immortal, and uh, it's... Uh, a little bit like in the movie Transcendence we saw with Johnny Depp. I mean, that is yeah, the concept. But isn't that just that's? I mean, it's just a digital virtual avatar replicant. It's not the real person. 
you know, a, a person is their, their mind, body, and soul. And if the soul yeah, but, doesn't but they don't care. Them. Yes, but cyber-sitting doesn't care about the soul. <laughs> <laughs> right, but then the, these people are destroying themselves, and, but, but replicating... But they don't, care about, they don't a, care about their soul. I repeat, they have sold their soul, so they don't care about it. Yeah, but what what's the point of having an avatar in a in a virtual realm and the avatar pretends to be you? <laughs> you know? Well, actually, the upload of your conscience will have to be done in a way that you die in this level of existence. So you are uploading completely yourself. It's not just simple uh, transposing into algorithms of yourself. Yeah, but it, so- it sounds like a suicide cult. Well, I mean, but that's what they are. I mean, they're not, they haven't really uh, ideas that uh, enrich humanity and, and help humanity. We're talking here about the dark side of humanity, which is this satanic elite that is participating in what the Christians call the end times, in which you will, they will receive everybody market of the beast, probably they will go and get it at the Apple store or whatnot. Right. But in 10 years from now, we are basically facing that kind of uh, uh, confrontation. And so we are really close to the final confrontation. And that means that also we have around the corner, of course, the return or the arrival, depending on the points of view. If you are Jewish, the arrival of the Messiah or the return of the Messiah. But there is, of course, also a messianic legacy in all this. And uh, it's going to manifest. Now, your your book title... It begins with the phrase confessions of an Illuminati. Are are you saying that you were once part of the Illuminati or are you? Yeah, well, yes, of who... course, of course. Uh, my books talk about it in detail. Uh, there is an academy also of the Illuminati founded in 2002 by Giuliano Di Bernardo, who used to be the grandmaster of the Grand Orient of Italy. In 1999, we founded also before that a branch of the Illuminati within the Monte Carlo Lodge. And if you just go on the Wikipedia, Prince Aliada di Montreale, who is the guy who initiated me in 1993, it says that very clearly it was uh, an initiative of the Illuminati of the New World Order, which was a specific group that uh, exists since the time of Adam Bishop. Then, of course, uh, the order in itself changed names. Uh, that, that was one of the things that Bishop said also because the order as order uh, as Ordo Illuminatorum, as the Order of the Illuminati of Adam Bishop, went already uh, suffered serious problems in the 1780s. So they had to eventually change name. But their mod- new modality of using the secret society uh, to infiltrate uh, mostly Freemasonry, because that was the most established, even if it's not a secret society, a society definitely with secrets, with the variety of rights and so on, uh, the, the, the actual idea of Adam Weishaupt that really was a revolution in all this uh, was that he really brought to the next level communism. Communism, which was an experiment the Jesuits had taken uh, to, 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 to South America to, in this reducciones, they had experimented all this. The Jesuits were uh, regarded as a danger because of this by the monarchies of the world which were mainly in Europe at that time, the ones that control uh, the the, the system. You have to understand that uh, the the big problem here is that from that moment, the Order Illuminatorum, Beisha, persecuted every single absolute monarchy 
ending with the Tsar of Russia. And we are still suffering the consequences for all this. America is the only republic that we can call republic, which actually, because it was built from scratch, is uh, with no compromises. Every form of democracy called the republic in other parts of the world is a scam. And and constitutional monarchies like the English one are the biggest scam because those are the ones who collaborated with the Illuminati to stay together and to not be defeated. Because at one point, Bishop said to his followers, if those monarchs don't uh, adhere, I mean, if they don't join our ideology, you simply destroy them. So let me ask you this. Obviously, we're going to have to spend more time talking about a lot of these issues um, and I should probably read your new book, too. Uh, it sounds like I, I need to catch up on a lot of this. But what about the transition from secrecy to out in the open? So today we have the World Economic Forum and yes. Klaus Schwab and so on. And they're no longer even pretending to be hidden in the shadows. This is all out in the open. They've got Well, Yuval that's Harari. why I talk very much about the history that led to the World Economic Forum that passes through the Club of Rome, that passes through a number of lodges, also in Austria, in Switzerland, and in Germany. There is specific lodges that were, of course, in the hands of the Illuminati from the time of Bishop, stayed in the hands of his followers. But, but why, why do they make it public now? Because nowadays, uh, you see, uh, the, the, the idea changed approximately over 100 years ago. Let's say with roads, uh, with the idea of think tanks started to become popular. Uh, think tanks so gave a new, uh, a new way uh, also because uh, there was no need anymore of the theatrics, and gradually the theatrics disappeared until you arrive to the Bilderberg Club, the Club of Rome, or the World Economic Forum that are uh, kind of a shred of all those theatrics that uh, Masonic or Paramasonic or Pseudo-Masonic groups had until then. Celsi Rhodes was the guy who really gave birth to the idea of the think tank. And the think tank, of course, we know... Uh, from that moment onwards, how this idea developed, but even Cecil Rose was inspired by Adam Weishaupt. And so we are talking about uh, a, um, a society in which nowadays the new, the new elite, which basically has substituted the old uh, monarchies, the bourgeois, because all this happened also, remember, after the French Revolution, there was a complete change. So the change was for constitutional monarchies or republics. And then later on, the Club of Rome uh, inspired the Klaus Schwab, but the Club of Rome was a creation supported by the Rockefellers. And it was a very important creation, the Club of Rome. We have to understand that the Club of Rome maybe is even more important behind the scenes than the World Economic Forum, because it's, it's the Club of Rome that created that study with the MIT that then was followed by the World Economic Forum in the early 70s to lay down, to lay, to lay down the f- future of humanity. There was this first uh, studies of World, it was called World 1 to World 3 of artificial intelligence, in which was laid out the foundation of the future, because in this artificial intelligence future, you can find nowadays, actually, there's an excellent documentary that was put on YouTube, I think, a couple of years ago, 
um, and, and you can still find this documentary from the 70s, in which you can see the importance of the Club of Rome and the research with the Massachusetts Institute of Technologies in the future then of what happened later on, because in 1973-1972, it was the Club of Rome uh, and Aurelio Pecei who really took over the show at the World Economic Forum. So, humor me on this. I'm, I'm, I'm having some difficulty translating what you're saying into the practical It's very complex, uh, yeah, first of it all, is. To, uh, to, I mean, it is. To, 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 to put all this, uh, I mean, I write books that are 500 pages to actually do a show. <laughs> I mean, you're asking me impossible. Yes, but I mean, for, for the sake of our audience, can, yes. can we give uh, some kind of practical translation of okay. what this means for, let's say, you know, it, are, are, uh, yeah, is the Great uh, Reset, is it on track? Does humanity have a chance? Can we still defeat these evil forces or are we all doomed? Or, and th- you know, big picture type of practical assessment. Okay, perfect. Very, very, very. Uh, okay, let's make a pyramid. Let's make the top of the pyramid the people in charge, which are the Jesuits and the Sabbatean Frankists. Now, the Jesuits are the Company of Jesus, which was founded nearly 500 years ago by Ignacio Loyola and became the, the army, the military intelligence of the Vatican, still in charge to this day. And for the first time now, they also have a pope. Sabbatean Frankis, Sabbateans born from Shabbat Aizevi. Later on, this is an heresy within Judaism, became then the economical branch of this whole situation because Sabbatean Frankis in turn, uh, worked behind the scenes also with secret societies that merged with the Illuminati and worked with the, the there was this uh, uh, particular one called the Asian Brotherhood, which was uh, actually operating in Germany. So there was, it's a very complex history. The, I mean, that's why we say the Illuminati and it's a very generalistic term because then you have a bunch of secret societies also out of Freemasonry not only within Freemasonry. And then you have the knighthoods. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, uh, you see, I've uh, published uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of, of research on these topics because mm-hmm. uh, when you say Illuminati, you're talking about somebody who is really smart. If you think that the people within the secret society are idiots, well, then it's just change. If you think that they act in the simplistic ways that some people portray on the Internet, well, that's a bit too simplistic. Okay. I was in Freemasonry from 1993. I achieved various degrees in various rights. I was also in various secret societies, part of the Illuminati network. I was also head of an Illuminati branch. So I had direct experience on all the rituals and so and so and whatnot. But the rituals are not that important when it comes down to the geopolitical side of things. And that's why what you said earlier when you were saying, uh, why are they coming out in the open now? Well, nowadays they come out in the open simply because nobody can stop them. And also because it's also, they, they are searching for legitimacy. They are starting to show who they really are. And they're, they're finding some too. I mean, they're finding a lot of followers who want to be part of this I don't know, uh, annihilation uh, yeah. of humanity, anti-human 
Unfortunately, unfortunately, there is people who have, uh, you know, who, who prefer to have other kind of values in life. Who, <laughs> right. who you know, their values, -values. or materialistic values. They are lost yeah. into matter. You know, when you go to the people in Hollywood and you see them living in luxury, those, or the people who follow them, which are all the idiots who follow the Kardashians. Or, oh, yeah. Or what, you know, I mean, people nowadays think it's cool to be that way. I, th I, I, I don't understand that. It's yeah, just pointless and empty. All right, let me... Don't, don't, uh, the, the thing is this. It's a very compartmentalized structure, but the secret societies operate under the Sabbatian Frankists and the Jesuits, and each one have a series of secret societies. Some of them involved with geopolitics, some involved with the occult. Some involved... In volume one of my confessions, I describe the topology and how each of these branches using actually an internal document of the Illuminati, which was never published before, mm. and I, I suggest you go and read, because it, 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 it describes you exactly how these secret societies operate the, 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 in each branch of society. And so there is very different modalities when it comes down to secret society, because the one, it depends from the purpose. What is the purpose of a secret society? Is it a political purpose? Is it a religious purpose? Is it... A, So there is various purposes, no? So, and then you have, for example, uh, the, the occult and the magic side of it. Uh, people don't know, for example, that the ancient and accepted Scottish writer was born in, 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 the, in, in basically in, in the islands where they were practicing voodoo. I mean, people think that, that, that basically the HLSF, the Scottish right, was born you know, in Charleston, and then you have the Supreme Council. They don't know anything about their, the real history behind the scenes, which is connected with some pretty spooky, spooky stuff. Okay, uh, let, me, yeah. let me switch gears and ask you something else from, from your website. Um, Uh, you know, in the time we have remaining here, but here's a title. Then you, from... then you have also Freemasons who are people who have helped America. George Washington was himself a example. But let's not forget that uh, the, George Washington wasn't around anymore when this ancient Scottish Rite took over. The people like George Washington, the others who founded these nations, they were connected to the strict Templar observance and the Christian Forms, most Christian forms of Freemasonry, which hmm. gradually were dismantled uh, the, and, and the, the occult ones took over. These days, uh, of course, uh, the whole of Freemasonry here is corrupt. I don't even go to the lodges here in California. They are anti-Trumpian, they are, anti they are occultists, full of, of devil worshippers. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, uh, it's yeah. not uh, anything to do with the, the, the father founders of these nations who were serious Freemasons who had other values, because there is I see. values. I feel like I need a giant wall map uh, taken from your books that's kind of the, the overall hierarchy of the structures, yeah. so that when you're talking, I can, I can see well, which I section you you're thing. talking about. When it comes down to, the, to you know, the, you are, uh, of course, you talked a lot about the COVID virus coming from Wuhan. Well, the communist virus comes from the lodges of the Illuminati and all their variants included. Uh -huh. So, Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, let me read a headline from your website. And, folks, the website is leozagami.com, and you publish quite a few articles there as well as links to your other content. Uh, here's a title, quote, 
Europe will soon become a nuclear wasteland as the woke West will be crushed for the arrival of the Antichrist. Yes. And, you know, very intriguing headline. Can you kind of uh, summarize what what you're saying there, what that article is about? I think you summarized it yourself when you read it. Uh. <laughs> I, I mean, you're, you're the woke West here. I mean, you're talking about the woke West that inside the army, the problem is what sexuality they have. Or if you have to be recruited at Langley, they ask you what sexuality. I mean, this is rubbish. They are, you are destroying America. This is unfortunately the problem here. And that's why I came to America. The people say, why did you come to California? Because I am studying the virus and the virus comes from this state and it needs to be healed here. The biggest virus is the woke communist virus that has unfortunately ruined America, comes from California. It's here that the Frankfurt School arrived from Germany into America, but the damages have been done here, and that's why we need to heal California before we can heal the rest of America. And if you don't insist in ignoring the healing of California, this virus is never going to be healed. What, what do you mean by Europe will become a nuclear wasteland? Are you talking about in the aftermath of, uh, of the current yeah, you, conflict? You, you see, Europe is already, uh, you were saying if we were in line with the Great Reset, and we are completely in line with the Great Reset. So to do this Great Reset, you, you need to, of course, impoverish everyone, take all their property, and also diminish eventually the, the, the possibility uh, for, for people to react in any way possible. Now, Europe uh, has a conflict at the moment, as we know, that was uh, triggered in, in a way by both parts, we can say, but mostly it's been triggered by Europe. Uh, we, we go back to what we said at the beginning of the show, no? Uh, in the 90s, uh, uh, Russia was somehow defeated, and now they, they, they have the money that we have given them, after decades of giving them all this money of oil and, ga and gas and all that, and now they feel confident enough also because there is a shift in this new world order. The new world order used to be American. It is now going to become Sino-Russian. Mm -hmm. And it's going mm -hmm. to be the Sino-Russian alliance that will eventually develop the cyber Satan. Because, oh, wow. Uh, okay. That's, that's a key component of all of this. It's going to come out of China and Russia. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 of course... There is here only one possibility that we have to save the situation, and like we said before, is eventually the return of Jesus. In that case, on the contrary of China, maybe Russia has those antidotes and those, uh, those elements that could help uh, thanks to their Orthodox Church. Because that, that, the Orthodox Church is definitely something that has uh, been uh, revamped after the fall of the Soviet Union, and it's very, I mean, very followed, and, and, and it's also very much in line with the belief that they want to refuse the mark of the beast. You see, in, Russian, in the Russian Federation, it will be very difficult to migrate the population. They might be sending them to war, they might be doing whatever, Putin can declare war to half of the planet, but when it came down to actually the digital ID and all that, there was some serious internal confrontation that went on uh, 10 years ago. And, and so there is a difference here between China and Russia. However, having said that, these two nations are unfortunately allied also due to their uh, 
common communist past. And what about the fall of the West? In your view, will that happen through uh, financial means or cultural means, kinetic means? What, what will that look like? The fall of the West will start in Europe because Europe, unfortunately, is very close to probably seeing the detonation of the first nuke. But it's not going to be then any reaction from the West. You think the woke West will react to Russia, even if they nuke Ukraine? With words, maybe, but not with, uh, with facts. Trust me. They don't have any courage. The people in charge here in Langley or in, Pen- in the Pentagon are a bunch of sissy ladies. The, you, you can't uh, have uh, a level of society. I mean, they have ruined American society here, and they have managed to ruin it at a level which is unthinkable. I mean, seeing what I'm seeing here in America every day, I'm just puzzled. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're also in California, which might be the, well, the most extreme are, examples of... Well, but uh, remember that these are the people who want to take control of the rest of America. So if you don't stop them, they will. Yeah. Because uh, unfortunately, with Silicon Valley on their side, that's where the cyber Satan has uh, their main uh, base, let's say, here. And, 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 and so it's very difficult to say how it's going to end up, but I can say one thing. Yes, we have the midterm elections. Yes, we have the next presidential elections, but these are going to be the last elections. And that's it. Then you're going to see what's going to happen next, and that's probably going to be the separation of the United States of America. And that will be a healthy thing eventually without a war. But unfortunately, there might even be the possibility of a civil war. But definitely we are uh, viewing an America that is ever so divided. And and, and it's divided uh, and it's very difficult to to say if they can carry on living together when you don't think at the same way. Especially when you see these new generations, the millennials, they're completely brainwashed left, right and center. Well, well, right. And for the rest of us who are who still have values and sanity, we don't know how we can coexist with the other half that are child mutilators. Right. That's what I said uh, in my book, uh, (laughs) Volume 7. I said maybe it's about time to start thinking about constructing our own communities out of the big cities, because we know that the big cities are a lost cause. They have been all taken over by the left. See, everything in my book, I explain how smart is simply a code for Satan. So smartphone is Satan's phone. Smart house is Satan's house. Smart car, smart cities, all Satan. Yeah, that's a really great observation. You're exactly right, because smart means connected through a surveillance uh, technocratic control system, yeah. which is cyber Satan, as you say, or will yeah. be. So uh, one, one last question. Um, so China leads the West in AI research by mm. far, many, many years. So yeah. but whoever... the Jesuits have been in China for 500 years. Maybe you should study their history. I wrote a lot about it in volume four of my confessions. Okay, all right. So the the point is that once AI systems, at least this is what is said by mainstream scientists, once an AI system reaches a, quote, a singularity or um, a critical tipping point of consciousness, whoever reaches that first, that, that AI the Ome- system... The Omega point, basically, of Pierre Théla yes. de Cardin, which, let's not forget, was a Jesuit who wired, which is, uh, as you know, the, the, the talks about technology, uh, calls the father of the Internet. So the father of the Internet is a Jesuit called Pierre Teilhard de Cardin. You know what movies Pierre Teilhard de Cardin inspired? Two movies. Mm-hmm. I give you the titles. One is The Exorcist, 
and the other one is 2001 Space Odyssey. Really? In The Exorcist, you can even find a, a little image of Father Pietro de Carden in, in the office of the priest. And there is a Jesuit acting for the first time in, in a movie. And the character who does the exorcism is based on Father Pietro de Carden. And so, that is one thing. But then, the, 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 after C. Clark based the whole of uh, the 2001 Space Odyssey on the work of Pierre de Cardin regarding the Omega Point. Then is the Antichrist a digital entity? The Antichrist will uh, be aided by the digital cyber Satan, but it will be a physical man. I see. Okay, well... Um... All kinds of fun to look forward to. <laughs> well, so, I, no, it's not a question of having, like, like, like I say in, in, in my latest book, uh, which is about to come out, but also in volume seven, this, we, we need to understand that these are parts of the, of what we have already studied and at the same time followed also thanks to our religious belief as Christians. We don't need to be worried. We need, simply need to be prepared. And that is the important thing, to be prepared, have the heart at the right place, and, 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 and be ready for, uh, for, for, a, for, of course, seeing one of the most incredible episodes in the history of mankind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have front row seats. Uh, well, Leo Zagami, uh, I can't thank you enough for joining me and, and for tolerating all of my questions here. No, no. <laughs> I wish we had more time. It's, it's very difficult for me to concentrate. I tend to sometimes divagate, or, uh, so it's very difficult, you know, to concentrate all this in, in very little. But uh, for our listeners, the important thing that they have to understand is that between here and 2030, we are basically deciding the future of mankind. Just, yeah, in, indeed, and, and and being prepared for all of this, I think, is key to our survival. And uh, folks, check out Leo Zagami's book. It's called again, Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume Seven. It's available everywhere. And also, the website is Leo Zagami. That's Z A G A M I. Leo Zagami. dot com. And Mr. Zagami, thank you for your time. And I hope to get a chance to talk with you again as things uh, develop and. Hopefully, we'll ha- we'll ha- we will make well, some you, progress. You see, it's Europe, uh, of course. For me, I have my family. Europe uh, is very bad to see what's uh, what's happening. But it's pretty clear to me that after this annexation through this uh, poll that they are conducting, uh, there is, a, uh, of course, a possibility that a nuke will be detonated, uh, and definitely. Gas also will be used to blackmail Europe uh, this winter much more than in the last few months. And we're going to see basically Europe being transformed in a war zone. And that's definitely uh, a sign of the end times. Okay. Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Well, we'll have to pick this up next time. But thank you for spending this time with us this evening. It's been fascinating. Thank you very much, Mike, and God bless America, my my new country, that I hope uh, will at least, uh, there is people here in this country that will be able to lay down the foundations for what is next. And uh, at the end of Volume 7, I make uh, a very clear statement. Remember, this is a republic on which we stand with an expiry date. That expiry date is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, because our Lord Jesus Christ will never, never, ever talk about Elections. It's a monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> <Your head. laughs> Great point. 
Great point. Okay. Oh yeah, you know we we tend to laugh when we see the Queen of England dying and all this palaver with all these things. But remember, the monarchies are a reflection of the kingdom of God, not the republic. And never they interesting. Yeah, never thought about it that way, but uh, that's a good point. Well, the father founders knew it very well. That's why in God we trust and not in the devil. <laughs> okay. All, All right. Well said. Bye. Yep. God Have bless. a great night. Thank you. Bye bye. A global reset is coming, and that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audio book. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the NaturalNews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive. 